And you're truly rich, not because of what you have, but because of who you have. Amen. We just worshiped him. We just cried out to Jesus. We have Jesus. And so we are truly rich. And so we're going to see this morning the same general principle. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 17. And, and I'm going to go quick because I really feel like God wanted me to dive into this passage a little bit and then for us to worship. And so that's what we're going to do. If you need a Bible, just raise your hands. Ushers will be glad to give you that. If you don't have a Bible of your own, you can keep it. Luke chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 11. When you got it, say, I got it. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance, lift up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Faith has made you well. God's word. Luke gives us this account of 10 lepers that cried to Jesus for help. If you don't know what leprosy is, let me define it for you. It's a, it's a skin condition that actually affects the nervous system. It's highly contagious. It required the people of the day to uncover their heads. Usually they would have their heads covered, but they had to uncover their heads so that you could be clearly seen that they had leprosy, this highly contagious disease. And they were actually required to cover their mouths at all times and to cry out as they went near anyone, unclean, unclean, unclean. The condition actually disfigured people. They began to look different. It began to change their facial structure. It began to gnaw up their fingers and their hands. It was a very nasty disease. They look like the living dead. This was, this was the first walking dead, okay? Uh, they, they just stole that from lepers in the Old Testament, right? This was the living dead. And so here in this passage in Luke, Jesus made his way to Jerusalem, and at the border of Samaria and Judea, Jesus healed these 10 lepers at one time. Don't tell me God ain't powerful. And the fact that this miracle involved a Samaritan made it significant. Because remember last week we said Jews didn't even associate with Samaritans. They, they didn't associate with them. They thought they were less than. And so Jesus used this event to teach a lesson about gratitude to God. Gratitude to God, a lesson that we can learn from. This account begins with 10 unclean men, all of who had leprosy. The Jews and Samaritans would normally not live together, but hey, misery loves company, right? And so what difference does it make whether you hang out or what your, your, your birth position is when you are experiencing a living death? And so they're hanging out together. But these men had hope. They had hope because Jesus was there. And they cried out for mercy. The word translated master that they used, it's the same one that Peter used in Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 5, and it means this, chief commander. 
So they understood the one I'm addressing has the ability to change my situation. I have hope because he's here. He can command even disease and death, and they trusted him to help them. And Jesus commanded these men. He said, go and show yourselves to the priests, which in itself was an act of faith because they hadn't been cured. You went to the priest by Levitical law to show yourself to the priest that you had been healed of a condition. And the priest would inspect your skin. He would keep you for a period of eight days. And if the skin continued to look well, they would release you back into the public and celebrate that you had been healed. They hadn't been healed yet. And Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. I want you to put yourself in the 10 lepers position. They're probably thinking, what you want us to show them? My hands are still disfigured, my feet, my skin, it's oozing, it's nasty, it's gross. I look like the walking dead, and you're telling me, go, I I haven't been healed. There's nothing has changed. It was an act of faith to go. But when they turned to obey, come on, church. When they turned to obey, they were healed. All of them. Imagine that scene. Imagine that scene. You see, they're walking along. They're going to the temple. They're just walking in obedience. And all of a sudden, they start looking at each other. And limbs where they, you couldn't really see whether there was five fingers. All of a sudden, there's, there's five fingers. And people start walking a little straighter because their feet aren't knotted up. And all of a sudden, their face starts clearing up. And skin that looked nasty and gross and oozing and pussing was starting to look like a baby skin, like ivory. It was just beautiful. And they're looking at each other, and they're like, whoa! Whoa! There was probably some celebrating going on, right? Ten men were healed. One returns. How grateful the men should have been for the providence of God that Jesus just happened to come into that area. For the For the love of God that caused Jesus to pay attention to them and their need. For the grace and power of God that brought about their healing. But all ten lepers obeyed Jesus' command. They went in faith, as he said. They were healed one by one. And that's significant. Let's not lose sight of that. Ten had faith in Jesus. Faith enough to turn and obey his command when they were not yet healed. However, when they started the heal, to experience the healing, only the Samaritan came back worshiping. Only the Samaritan. Listen, true generosity. Stay with me, church. True generosity is an overflow of gratitude. True generosity is an overflow of gratitude. You can only be generous if you are truly grateful for what you already have. You can only be generous if you're truly grateful for what you already have. Too often, we're content to enjoy the gift, but we forget about the giver. It's not about what he has done for us. It's about who he is. He is healing. He is redemption. He is 
deliverance. That's who he is. That's not what he's done. That's who he is. Y'all with me? Y'all tracking with me? That's not what he's done. That's who he is. And so when the leper returns to praise, Jesus asks the question, where are the other nine? Weren't there ten? Where are the nine? And Jesus, Jesus is basically saying, shouldn't there be ten grateful men singing praises? Now, if we're honest, let's be honest. We feel a little bit of sympathy for the other nine, right? We feel a little bit of sympathy for the other nine because they had faith enough to obey. They went as commanded to the priests. They went just as God said. I'm sure they obeyed God and they went to the priest after being healed. Why not? I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm sure they did because they're healed. Why wouldn't they? They'll go before the priest and say, look at me. I was a leper, but now my skin is like a baby skin. I've been healed. And so what's the problem? Why are they considered ungrateful? Well, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Listen, they were definitely grateful for being healed. They were definitely grateful for being healed. But Jesus was not the center of that gratitude. The healing was. Jesus was not the center of that gratitude. The healing was. If Jesus was the center, they would have returned to him. They would have praised him. They would have thanked him. Jesus, listen, Jesus has to be the source of our gratitude. Or we will never overflow with generous praise. If it's just about what God does for you. You're going to lose sight. You're going to get so narrow-minded and lose sight that the second something doesn't go your way. Come on, church. Some some of y'all with me. Some of y'all been there, got the t-shirt, right? The second something doesn't go your way, it'll kill your joy and rob your praise. But when Jesus is the source of your generosity... When Jesus is the source of your praise, then nothing can be taken from you. Yeah, you can clap. Nothing can be taken from you. They can't take Jesus away. They can't rob your joy. That's why it's called the joy that passes all understanding. They can't take that from you. If he's the source, then the praise goes on. That's why Job, man, look, Job was, man, We we even call when people go through bad stuff, oh, you have a new Job moment, right? Job went through some stuff, but what did Job say? Blessed be the Lord. He gives, he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's shouting praise. You can't take that praise. You can't steal that praise. You can't take my joy. My joy and found in my circumstances is found in Jesus Jesus has to be the source of gratitude or we'll never overflow with generous praise. The nine lepers, listen, they were quick to pray but slow to praise. Son of David, have mercy on me. Quick to pray, slow to praise. The grace of gratitude, and listen, it is a grace. It is a grace to be truly grateful. It is a grace of God to realize in your heart I have so much to be thankful for because everything in this world tells you otherwise. 
Everything in, the, in this world tells you you don't have that yet. Or this hasn't happened for you yet. It's telling you that there's something you got to wait on. There's something that you got to go get. But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'm all sufficient. I'm all satisfying. I give you a joy that passes your own understanding. I'm the pearl of greatest price. If you realize it, you would sell everything you have to go buy the field that you found that thing in. I'm everything. And so the grace of gratitude always leads to generous praise. Look at verse 19 again. He said to him, the Samaritan, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I want you to underline that word well because the literal meaning of that word in the Greek, you ready for this, is saved. Theologians do not disagree. The good ones, anyway. (laughs) About this terminology from the Greek. It's saved. The Samaritan had faith that not only led to his healing, but also to his salvation. Where there is true faith, there is profoundly grateful hearts that produce praise. Listen, a saving faith praises God. A saving faith praises God. God, listen, church, if God saves you, listen, come on, come on now. If God saves you, listen, he should never hear the end of it. He should never hear the end of it. Your praise should go on and on and on and on because that's how it's designed. That's what eternity looks like. I'll never forget. I I met this lady one time, and, and I probably shouldn't have said this, but she said, the, the church was doing an extended time of worship. She said, I just can't handle all this standing up and singing all these songs for an hour. That's just too much worship. And, and I, I, I was, you know, I didn't have as much grace as I have now. God has raised me up, you know. Um, but I didn't like that because I was the worship leader at the time. So a little bit of pride and, you know, whatever. But, but I said, you're going to really hate heaven. Because that's all we're going to do. Just worship. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worth, get, get used to it. Because that line goes on and on and on. Throughout eternity, your praise goes on. A saving faith produces praise. Listen, church, if God saves you, like I said, he should never hear the end of it. But listen, neither should anyone else. Everyone should hear what God has done for you. Paul talked about a generation that appeared to have faith, but in the final result was ungrateful. He said in Romans 1, 21, look at this, they'll put it on the screens. It said, for although they knew God, they, they knew who? They knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They knew God, but they didn't honor him. They didn't give him praise. And that was, that was at the current time. And then Paul flashed forward. He looked to the future, and he described for Timothy, his disciple, what the people, of, uh, the people would look like in the last days. Look what he says, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. He said, but understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. 
For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Remember, we started off this series talking about can't have two gods, right? Can't love God and money. It's not that money is inherently evil, but the love of money causes all kinds of evil because you can't love two things. You can't divide your, your attention, right? God's got to take primary spot. He said they'll be lovers of money. They'll be proud. They'll be arrogant. They'll be abusive. They'll be disobedient to parents. All you kids out there, you didn't know that was in there, did you? But it's in there. Look at the next one. Ungrateful. Unholy. Heartless. Unappeasable. You don't think when I'm training my kids, I bring this scripture out? All right. You know what you are right now? Unappeasable. You know? And this is what God says about you. You better straighten up. Right? Unappeasable. Slanderous. Without self-control. Brutal. Not loving good. Treacherous. Reckless. Swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then look at this last line. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. What's the power of godliness? The love of God and responding to that love in praise. Honoring God. For although they knew God, they did not honor him. They did not give thanks to him. But listen, listen, church. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. Maybe you're in here right now and say, well, maybe that is who I am. Listen, here's one thing I know. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. But if you change... If you change, you don't have to be that. You don't have to be that. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews said that we are not, we are not a people that are going to shrink back and be destroyed. We are not those people. That is not who we are. Here's who we are. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? I'm going to give you a little lesson. I'm going to tell you who you are right now. I'll give you a little definition. You are the redeemed of the Lord the bought back, the purchased, the ones who have had the grace and mercy and kindness and love of God showered upon you. And you know what the Bible says that the redeemed of the Lord do? Say so. Say so. That means that we don't just have a day of thanksgiving. And it was good. Turkey, dressing, and all that kind of stuff. But we have a life of thanksgiving, an overflowing life that is truly thankful. Our hearts should produce generous praise to Jesus because he healed us, he made us new, he saved us. And so the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is, where's your gratitude quotient? Where you at? Where you at on the scale? How grateful are you if your source of gratitude is Jesus? and the life he's given you, then you know what you're going to be? You're going to be the one. You're going to be the one that comes back and cries out. Do you know what he did? Look, look at what the Samaritan did. He said he cried out in a loud voice. Cried out in a loud voice. I'm pretty sure God is ready for a generation of 
worshipers that will worship him in spirit and truth who will stand up in seats like this and pews in traditional churches and places of worship all across this land and all across our world who stand up with a loud voice and proclaim praise to the one who is and was and is to come and who is glorious and holy and magnificent and awesome. That's what, we're, we're, we're the one. We're the one. And here's the deal. Just as you say, well, no, 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 we're many. We're many. Nope. 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 You know what he calls you? The body. And he said, though there are many parts, they are still one. So who's the one? Who's the one that's going to come back to his feet and worship him? It's you. It's me. It's this congregation of people ready to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. So are you, are you ready, church?